If you're someone who designs things to sell and you want to make a full-time income as a designer, you are going to love this episode. We have four ways that designers can make a really good living. And the best news is you don't have to buy a lot of products to do it. You don't even have to have a lot of overhead. I have a special guest. She's going to walk us through. You're going to learn a lot, and it's going to open up a whole new world of opportunities for you. So buckle up. I'll see you on the inside, and we'll just get to it. Welcome to the Roadmap to 50K on Shopify. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of real stores, where you're going to learn actionable strategies and tips that will fast-track the growth and profitability of your e-commerce business. So buckle up. Welcome your host and Shopify expert, Susan Bradley. Hey there. I just know any of you that are makers and designers are really going to enjoy this episode. I am so grateful to have the amazing Sarah Curtis with us. She is a longtime Inner Circle member. She's absolutely lovely and really, really helpful in the group. And she is truly, truly a designer. And so Sarah, I want you just to say hi to everyone. And then I'm going to have you share with uh, everyone who's listening, really um, what, what you've done in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years that got you to this point, because you are a little bit, I think, of a unicorn in this business. I don't think there are as many people uh, like you as there are people who are uh, wondering how they're going to make a living as a designer. But you have cracked the nut. You have an amazing uh, balance between time to spend with your family and meet all your obligations there. And you have a big family and, uh, and being able to earn money doing the work that you really love. So I'm going to hand it over to you, let everybody know how you got here. And then we'll talk about the the businesses that you have going right now. So good. Yeah. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's really an honor to be uh, talking to you and the everybody that listens today. So um, I'm Sarah. I have seven children. I'll just put that out there right to begin with. Um, I started my business when I had five children under seven and I just needed a creative outlet and like a way to escape and do something that I like to do. So I started a sewing blog, which um, quickly turned into learning how to design sewing patterns. So I've been selling digital sewing patterns for several years. And then um, I've been able to contribute to some craft books and magazines as well. And along the way, I decided I wanted to start learning how to design fabric as well. So I got to work um, honing my design skills and discovered things like spoon flower as a way to make money and ended up designing some educational posters for my children and our homeschooling and started sharing those with people. And um, so now I have a line of fabric some digital sewing patterns, a educational poster shop, and a bunch of other things. But yeah, that all bring you kind of digital revenue. Like you are not in the business of uh, make designing and making products and selling them, right? Not and really, yeah. So good. And I want to just give everybody a little bit of the backstory. So what I, I noticed, Sarah, right away. Because she is, she really knows a lot about a lot of things, and she's been super helpful 
in the uh, inner circle when people would have questions about branding or even Facebook ads or strategies, like you really must be, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but a super good learner of things. Like things stick when you learn them. Then I got talking to you a little bit. And as it turned out, a student and uh, actually someone who works with my good friend, Bonnie, (laughs) Bonnie Christine, you are a surface pattern designer through her course. And we started talking about you know, really all the things that that you have learned and that you do. And I still remember we had a a conversation in our group, uh, you and I and many other members, you were talking about your educational posters. And I was saying, well, you know, target homeschoolers or something like that. You said, no, I don't want to be seen as the homeschooler. I'm a designer. And I thought, oh, I really admire that you know what you want to be. And so you have to figure out your path to going there. And so that's when I really thought, oh, she's kind of interesting. Got to talk to her. What, uh, you know, how she's put this all together. Because what I want people to onboard is that you're a designer, a mom of, I didn't know, seven kids. I just want everyone to know Sarah looks completely put together. Her hair is not on fire. She's uh, calm and like she's got it going on. But but you have all these things. You're really clear on what you love and what you want to do with this time that you have to earn money and have your own thing. And I just really thought I, I want other people who are designers or makers and design things to see all the opportunities that are there for them and how they don't have to put themselves in a box that there are a lot of ways that they can earn an income, earn a decent income. Like if you looked at the per per hour, it's a really good income and also create opportunities for themselves in the future. And so what I would love to do is let's just talk about all the ways that you make money as a designer. Can we start there? Yeah. So um, I have digital products and um, I also do have some physical products, but I utilize print-on-demand companies. Um, All my posters are printed through Printful. And so that's also very hands-off. I hardly ever have to send anything out. I have a few small things at home, like stickers and greeting cards that I mail out, but those are quick and easy to deal with. And I'm not keeping a lot of inventory in the house. I also have a licensing deal, which means that basically another company rents my art. And so I have licensed my artwork to quilting fabric which sort of goes along with the sewing patterns. And then I've also licensed a lot of the educational posters to a children's wall art company. And so those are available. And then I'm also doing some contract work for Bonnie Christine, you mentioned. I'm her community manager. And so I spend about 15 to 20 hours a week supporting and encouraging the students there. And I occasionally take on client work. So I think that's everything. But I know um, a lot of other surface designers are also in teaching. That's how Bonnie got started, just teaching Skillshare classes. And um, and then memberships are another thing that a lot of people do. So there are so, so many opportunities. So many. And you've chosen to do this because your family's not, your kids aren't little, little anymore, but your kids are still all at home and y- you have a lot of other responsibilities. And so every single one of these revenue streams that you've created for yourself actually is flexible. 
yeah, very flexible. I'm, you know, I have an occasional meeting that I need to be at, but Bonnie's very flexible and I have, you know, shipping can be done in the pockets of time that I have and design can be done in the pockets of time. So uh, I make it work. Yeah. So you see designers creating income for the for themselves, setting up little courses on Skillshare, which is kind of like a teacher pay teacher, like that kind of marketplace for training. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, I would think of it like Etsy, like they bring you the customers that are ready to learn and then you get paid by the minute watched. So any kind of craft or design or video editing or creative class you can put on Skillshare. So that's good. Yeah. So that's actually monetizing your skill without having to actually make product. You can scale that. Right. And it can also help you generate leads uh, for your email list. You can offer a freebie and get more people on your email list. So there's a lot of good reasons to even put one class out there. On Skillshare. So cool. What other things do you see designers doing? Besides, so we've got royalties, we've got a teaching on Skillshare. Is there anything that we've missed? So you could also do, well, I'm thinking there's some more specific products that I've seen people do. Um, One in particular that has done really well is um, a designer that started creating cloth diapers and she creates them in these beautiful collections and um, they're so pretty. It's a functional product, but she's just put her own like beautiful style on it. And so that has been really fun to watch. There's another woman that I know that's doing a breast cancer journal and she's making it really beautiful and comforting for people that are going through cancer treatments. There's quilts, quilt designers and stationery and gifts. Um, I know people that have wallpaper shops um, that white label the wallpaper. So so that's another way to um, create products. So let's talk about products for a minute and royalties. So you said, and commissions even. So you said that you have one licensing deal. And I know that there are other people that you work with, perhaps in Bonnie's program or people that you know that also have licensing deals. So can you tell me a little bit more about how that works, how somebody might get a licensing deal and generally what you could expect if that's a route you want to go, go down? Yeah. So licensing is really interesting because you can use your art in multiple places and you can use it over and over and keep getting paid for it. So typically a contract is for a specific industry and for a specific length of time. And as long as you're um, not violating those terms, you can license your artwork to two things at once. So you could have your artwork on baby blankets and also shoes. And those wouldn't be a conflict of interest because those companies are not competitive with each other. So for smaller companies, you tend to do a flat fee license because it can get tricky with the bookkeeping for a smaller company to um, be calculating royalties. So um, it could be anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars, depending on the product and the type of artwork. And and then on a larger company, you typically see five, maybe three to 10% on royalties, depending on what the product is. And so over time with a very large company, that can really, really add up. Yeah. So so typically those contracts, if it were a flat fee or a percentage, you might say you have the right to use this artwork on the, these particular products for two years or something like yeah. that. Yeah, two to three years is pretty common. And then you, that you would renegotiate 
when it's time to renew. Is that how? Yeah, if they wanted to, or they might be ready to move on to new artwork. So for something like quilting fabric, it's usually just the two to three years. And then unless um, fabric is just a bestseller and they want to reprint it, but usually it's just two to three years. And then, but some some quilting fabric designers put out four new lines of fabric every year. And so once you get that going and you have all of that fabric selling, that can also really add up. Yeah. And um, you could even like design the pattern for the quilt and all the fabric designs are yours. Yes. Even go yeah. that and that's a great way to help boost your sales on both sides. You, you know, get recognized in the quilting industry as a quilter and as a fabric designer, then people are coming to you and buying your fabric and your pattern. So, so cool. So, you know, you know, me queen of ideas and thinking about this. And so my question is to you, I think that a lot of people would say, well, that's great. How do I get a deal like that? What, what are the steps I would have to take to uh, start licensing my artwork? Do I sit here and wait for people to come to me? Or are there things I can do proactively? And I know because you have a licensing deal, you know the answer. I do. Um, I actually do have friends that have just put their work out on Instagram and been approached by companies. And so that is possible, but I would suggest that you not wait around for a company to find you. Um, Do show your work as much as possible, but putting together a simple portfolio with um, it's best if you have some collections of designs, things that work together or coordinate because products are generally sold in collections. And so um, companies need things that go together. So you would create collections of work and put them in a portfolio. I just usually make a PDF file and then you find a contact for the company, which is easier said than done. Sometimes you need to get on the phone and Bonnie always says 10 seconds of courage to get on the phone and (laughs) ask for, ask for the art director and find out how to send your work to them. You just need to send a quick pitch email, which just means, you know, hi, I'm Sarah. I, I create fabric designs and um, here's my portfolio. I'd love to have you look at it. I think we'd be a great fit. If they like your art, they're going to get back to you. And um, if they're, a lot of times it's just hitting the the companies at the right time for the right art. Um, Sometimes it's not your work that they don't like. It's just that they don't have a fit for it right now. So sometimes art directors will come back a year later, but just to be transparent, it took me eight um, pitch emails before I got a fabric contract. I had several came back and said, not a good fit, or you need to keep working yeah. on your art. And you just, you have to, you have to be resilient and like, keep going. Yeah. Or look at it like a conversion rate. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good conversion rate then. Right. You have <laughs> a great conversion rate. You have a, seriously though, like why should we expect the first people that we uh, approach about that to say yes. Like if you think about it, like a conversion rate, you know, you might have to send out twenty five pitches yeah. to one, and it's still a great conversion rate. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. So that's so so cool. So one of the things that you think is that you need to be proactive. It makes total sense that you can't just send out one design because what's somebody going to do with with one thing? They do need a, a particularly anyone who's in bricks and mortar retail, even more, they need a, a bunch of products right. that yeah. can be purchased together. So that makes total sense and put it together and uh, find the right person. I love that 10 seconds of courage. Go Bonnie. It's like, you don't have to be brave all the time. Do it. Then go, uh, you know, suck your thumb yeah. if you have to, but <laughs> at least do it. So good. 
And um, the other thing I want to know about is what do you bring to the table? Are there things you can do to actually uh, make you more interesting to these companies? Like if you have a big audience, if you have an email list, like how do you support that uh, beautiful art with the the thing that's really going to get the sales? What's the best steps? Yeah, I think if you can bring an audience of buyers to them, they would be thrilled. Um, Some companies are willing to take a risk on your art if they believe that it will sell. But um, other companies, especially smaller ones, like they need to know that you have um, proven that your items will sell. And so if you have a few products, it doesn't have to be, I mean, it could just be an Etsy shop. It could be a few small items that you order, but just anything to sort of prove that you have an audience of people that like your designs and want to buy them, that helps them know that they're not taking such a huge risk. Yeah, for sure. That it's like proof of concept for them. Right. So good. I love that. And if we think back to, I still remember when you, uh, created a post in the inner circle that said you had been able to license your uh, educational posters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then it allowed you to give yourself permission because we can all do whatever we want, but we make these imaginary rules for ourselves to give, give yourself permission to make that a seasonal business for you. Yes. Um, Yeah, I was, I was spending so much time trying to market that business and people just aren't looking for back to school items when it's not back to school time. Um, Yeah. So I licensed the designs and the other thing that it allowed me to do, which is um, something that you could look for if you're interested in doing this is they manufacture the products, but I'm also allowed to buy them um, wholesale and resell them. So, and they also drop ship. So again, it's like another way that I have recurring income, but all I need to do is take the orders and just email it over to them and they ship it. They do everything. And, um, but they're producing like something that I couldn't make print on demand and I couldn't create myself. So they've taken that manufacturing off of me and they do all the fulfillment. And all that space in your head, all that waffling and how am I going to do this and trying to figure it out. You now, it just allowed you to say, well, now I don't have to worry about that until the times when I know the interest is there. And the rest of the time uh, I can just, I can just work on these other things that I also love to do that bring money into uh, my bank account. Yay. So good. So let's flip it for a minute. So what if, uh, and we're going deep on this. I didn't know we are, but you know so much. And there are going to be so many people that are interested in this. Let's flip it. I make socks for people who love dogs. There are lots of people like me who have Shopify stores that make things for a specific audience. What if someone like me came to you and said, I would love for you to um, either license me this design that you already have or create a design for me? What are the important things as a designer that you want to make sure uh, that we agree on before we enter into that situation? Yeah. Um, well, that would be really fun. I, I think most designers would be thrilled if somebody came to them and said like, hey, let's make some socks together or something. Um, I think... There's two ways you could do it. If it was something specific, if you wanted dog socks, then I would have to make a new design because I don't have any dog patterns. And so we would maybe agree on that as um, more like a a flat design fee where I would charge you just the based on my hourly work and what my normal rate would be. And then possibly consider how much you would sell and benefit from that work as well. So, and then if you're going to license something, we would draw up a contract that 
was specific to, you know, socks or specific to apparel, you could go a little bit more broad for a certain period of time. And then we would agree on a flat fee. And so usually a flat fee license, I would charge you less for a flat fee license than I would charge you if I was doing a custom design, because I could potentially reuse the work that I've licensed to you again for something else. So cool. So you would just just say to yourself, okay, what is this really worth to me? And you would then send it for licensing. You would send it out and say, here's a loose outline of what I would like. If that's agreeable, I'll send you a contract. Right. Yep. Oh, good. Yeah. I think there are, when I'm thinking about the inner circle and all the people in there, because, you know, we have some great designers in there. I'm just thinking, gosh, this is a huge opportunity for them if they, you know, I suppose it's like anything else, Sarah, that you do have to spend some time on it and mm-hmm. like follow all the steps and don't run and hide the first time someone tells you no. Right. But the more yeah, it could be yeah. so great for it could be so great for collaborating. Like two of the inner circle members that have some design skills would like trade their designs on their product. You know, like if a couple of baby companies did custom limited edition designs for each other um, and then did a big giveaway. And I mean, they could really take advantage of each other's audiences. Oh, so good. Really, really good. So, um, so let's think about this. If you, if somebody said, Hey, I want to have a call with you, Sarah, I'm a new designer. This is my specialty, you know, whatever it is. Um, what do you think? Like, what are the three most important things that someone who's a designer who wants to earn an income all over the place, what are the three things that you would tell them to do first? This one is mostly from you, but I think people need an email list of buyers. I have been growing an email list for a while, but I've been giving them a lot of free things and free advice and just other things, but I have not been selling to them. And so it's taken a long time to train them (laughs) to like expect that I'm going to ask them to buy something. It really, it's, it's just a different audience. And so I think if you are starting an email list immediately, think of something small that you can try to sell to them. Um, It's, it's important to keep serving them too, but um, it's, if you're giving them free things for years and then you try to sell to them, it's, it's really going to be hard to convert them. Really? And that's from your personal experience too. Yes. (laughs) So number one, a list of buyers. What else? Um, I think working on a recognizable style um, oh. a lot of creatives have more than one skill set. Like I could do watercolors, but I don't really use that in my design work because it's kind of confusing if people see my work um, and they see two or three different things going on. So um, it helps if you have something recognizable, especially for licensing, because it gives the companies an idea of what to expect from you. If you're going to continue working with them, they know what they can expect. And when I think about the successful artists in the inner circle, you're exactly right. You could look at it and know whose it was. Exactly. Yeah, so good. So don't be a dabbler. Yeah, and you you should on the side, but the work that you're going to show in your portfolio needs to be cohesive. And so like definitely keep playing around because that's how your style and your design skills grow, but you don't have to show everything. Right. 
So you really want, it's kind of like with products when I'd say, actually, what really works the best is what you showed them the last time. (laughs) Like it's that repetition where they uh, starts to connect your brand in their minds to who that is. And so basically that's what you're saying is you want to develop a recognizable style where people know it was you without necessarily having to read the copy in anything. Yes. And so they, they'll come back and keep working with you, especially for something like bolt fabric, where um, you, designers do tend to work with the same company over and over. Uh, um, if Bonnie Christine put out a really bright colored collection of patterns, but she tends to normally do muted vintage, you know, delicate yeah. style, people are going to be confused. And they're going to be like, that's not what I was expecting. I don't want to buy that. Uh, can I just tell you, even when, you know, I, I'm in a mastermind group with Bonnie, even when she does a presentation of something she's done in her business, the slides have all those. Be- <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. I can barely make a slide and look what you're doing. <laughs> They're always beautiful. So you're right. I look at that and all oh, those are Bonnie's. Exactly. <laughs> so good. And so do you have any more? Is there a third thing? I was thinking too that if you're going to start out with some products or something, try to just pick one industry because the more that you can niche down to a very specific customer and very specific audience, um, the easier it's going to be to grow an audience for that. After you've created that audience, then you can sort of branch out, but it's really helpful to be very specific in the beginning and then branch out from there. That's so smart. You are dead right on that one. Because I feel like I did that a little bit with the socks. You know, I created socks for Dashen lovers, socks for Corgi lovers, socks for Golden Retriever lovers. Those are three different audiences and you really have to build all three. So the person who builds their products for one audience is going to have a lot more success cross-selling them if they have that big audience first. So that's super, super smart. Anything else you can think of? Um, I had three. Those are my three. So good job. So let's talk about uh, opportunities. So if you could do anything or if you could recommend anything for a designer, what do you think the biggest opportunity is for designers right now? I think there are actually maybe too many opportunities and people get distracted. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, if you go open a Spoonflower shop and an Etsy shop and you're trying to license and you're trying to make, I don't know, there's just so many things. Um, if you don't really focus on one or two things, this is kind of what I just said too, but you, if you're not putting the energy into one thing, it's just not going to grow. So it's important. What I usually recommend is picking uh, one thing to work on. That's like a more short-term project that will bring in income more immediately and then work on something that's more longer term, like licensing where, you know, it might take months of pitching to get a deal and then a year for the product to come out and then you start getting royalties. So, you know, you can be working on that on the side while you're growing either a product-based business or a teaching business or membership or something that's going to start bringing in income more recently or more quickly. But, um, but don't do, don't jump in and do a membership and a course and products all at the same time. It's just more, it's too much. Yeah. And you won't, uh, you won't see those baby steps in any one of them because they just won't be consistent enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. So the advice is get something that is going to bring you in income now to satisfy your need to create money. And it's also going to show you other opportunities as you do that. And take that long project, that long-term project like royalties, 
and just devote a certain number of hours a week to that with the managing your expectations that this is kind of like SEO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to see the results right away, but you have to do this work. It, you can't skip that stage. That's yeah. really good. That's mm-hmm. great advice. And so, and so what about somebody who's brand new? What would you say to them? Welcome to the club. And <laughs> so new designer or someone with design skills that's just wanting to create a business. Oh, I don't know. There's two different. Tell me what you would say to each. Well, so if you want to get into design and you don't have the skills, I think um, that would be the first thing is just spend a couple. I mean, it can really take a couple of years to learn the design programs and you just need to keep making work and making work. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ira Glass. There's this video on YouTube called The Gap. And he talks about this. There, Most designers get into the business because they have good taste. And when you start making your own artwork, there's this gap between the work that you want to do that you think you could do and what you actually can do. And so you start to think like, well, I'm not good at this. I like, I'm not, I'm never going to be able to make what I like, but the gap does close. And so you have to get to that point where you push through that messy middle and like find your, your artistic voice. And once you have that, then you can start thinking about how, where you want to put your art. Do you want to put it on products? Do you want to teach other people how to make art? Do you want to, um, you know, license it to companies? So first you have to put in the work yeah. Power through the messy middle. And everybody has it. Yeah. Even if it looks like they didn't. They're oh, for sure. It up. Yeah. <laughs> if you have the people that look like they were immediately successful, I'm sure that they did years of right? uh, work to try to find their creative voice. Yeah, so. so true. It's just, but we all compare and think, how the heck did they do that when uh, this is really hard for me? But but the truth is, I think, and, and I'm sure you would agree, is that anything in life that's worth having almost always requires a lot of uh, like messy work. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so good. And so now what about the designer that's already established? What What's the advice you would give them? Um, if they have something going on already and they're interested in licensing, that is something that you need to start collecting your work into bodies of work that are coordinated, create a simple portfolio and just start putting it out there to companies. It's it's, honestly, it's hard to know sometimes if companies even license or not, you have to ask. And so it's, it's a lot of asking questions. It's a lot of digging. It's a lot of researching and being brave. So brave for 10 seconds, just for a few seconds. (laughs) So good. That's really good. So listen, you know, you're just incredibly supportive in the inner circle. You are so darn smart. When you post, when I see a post from you, I go look. If it comes in my notifications, I read your posts, I read your comments. I would love to know, like you're so interesting and and so smart. You know so much about so many things. I would love to know what's on your radar for the future. I know you're still, you know, deep in it with lots of things at home. But what's on your radar for the next few years? What do you want to do? Right now, you're doing lots of things, but... Yeah. First of all, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, right now, I'm really happy where I'm at. I'm, I love working with Bonnie and, and helping and supporting other people as they grow. 
And I love it that that's really flexible. Um, I'm still sort of experimenting and trying to figure out what, what I really want to do. I actually love having my work on products, but managing inventory with lots of kids and school and all the things is a lot right now. So um, I'm thinking about just doing like a holiday pop-up shop this year. So I just keep that contained to a few weeks this year of craziness and then, you know, set that aside for a while. So I'm working on that. Um, I'm working on some paper, like printed paper patterns um, for sewing uh, to wholesale to quilt shops. So um, that again, will not be like everyday mailing out and shipping orders. It'll just be sending a bulk order to a shop. So there's, um, after that, I don't know. I think I'm just kind of hoping that I will keep honing in on my customer, understand what they're looking for and how I can serve them with products that I want to make and that are a good fit for my art. And yeah, so that's why yeah, I'm So good. I feel like you've done such a great job at creating the perfect situation for you at this stage in your business. But when I think about all the things that you've listed off, that you, uh, the revenue streams that you have created for yourself, none of them are a dead end. Every one of them is scalable and you could do whatever you want with it and you could make it work for you. It's really just, I think it's just really an amazing way to set yourself up as a mom or a dad, I guess, if you wanted to with, you know, with limited time. And I love the fact that all of these uh, revenue streams, you haven't created a big overhead for yourself with any of them. So you're not scrambling to pay for the overhead. It's really just so scalable. It's really good. Yeah. And it does. It just keeps growing slowly as I keep putting in a few hours here and there when I have time. And um, I think, you know, at some point something will rise above the others. And I'll sure it will. That's what got you here. So where can people see you? Uh, I'm sure there's lots of people that are going to want to talk to you, but where is the best place for them to uh, find you? Um, I'm definitely on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Radiant Home Studio. And then my website is also radianthomestudio.com. And then the educational posters are under Pretty Nerdy Press. And so prettynerdypress.com and at Pretty Nerdy Press. So So cool. Pretty Nerdy Press. I love it. They're pretty and they're nerdy. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful, actually. Yeah. So listen, thank you so much. I enjoy so much uh, having you in the inner circle, but I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much. It was very valuable. You're going to help a lot of people. So exciting. Thank you for having me. We'll see you soon. Hey, listen, if you like what we're working on here at the Roadmap to 50K and it's helping you get clarity on your next steps, I think you really have to check out our inner circle You know, it is just an amazing place to learn how to build your business the right way. And you get to do it with a wonderful group of store owners that support each other and will cheer you on. You know, in the inner circle, our only purpose is to help our members get results. And because of that, we actually have dedicated coaches that are fully trained and available to work one-on-one with you. And we offer that to our members at crazy affordable prices because I know that sometimes you just need a little extra help to get past a roadblock so that you can move on and make progress again. So if this sounds good to you, I want you to head on over to the socialsalesgirls.com forward slash inner dash circle and get on the wait list. 
we will send you a lesson so that you can see what's waiting for you on the inside. And we'll also invite you to join us the next time we are open to take new members. So listen, friends, that's all. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and I will see you next week.